Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Leach and on the show Michael Kasperwitz, a former Queensland Australian fast bowler playing 237 first class matches and 38 tests for Australia with best test figures of 7 for 36. Away from cricket, uh, he holds a Masters of Business Administration. He's worked extensively in India and he's a father of three. Welcome, Casper. Thanks, uh, Shane. How are you? Mate, great to see you, mate. And Jason Gann is, a, is also a Queensland, an Australian-born actor, comedian, writer and producer, best known for his role as the title character in the Australian comedy series Wilfred, um, directed by Tony Rogers. Away from the screen, he's a spokesman for animal rights. Uh, he's the founder of Wilfred Cannabis Pre-Rolls. Can't wait to talk about that stuff. Uh, and a passionate musician. Welcome, Jason. And a father of two, mate. And a father of two. So, Jason, so growing up, mate, so, so comedy and theatre for you at school was always a, a thing. Were your weekends taken up by sport? Did you play cricket like, or, or rugby like most Queenslanders? Yeah, I wanted to play sport badly. I actually played a lot of indoor cricket, and I was, okay. a, ump- I was a, a umpire at um, you know on the weekends at uh, indoor cricket. Carl Rack, no, was Carl Rackman's? Yeah, one of the indoor cricket. Tennis. But back in uh, in the eighties, indoor cricket was big, and I loved it. Um, the balls were a bit that little bit softer. I'll admit, I was a small kid, um, but you know I used to play rugby league and. Uh, Always dreamed of being a um, a sportsman, but you know, just it just wasn't on on the cards for me. <laughs> Funny thing is, years later, I don't know. Um, I actually was in a show called The Wedge, yes. where I played uh, on Channel Network Tamra. I played Mark Wary, the apologising sportsman. And he became <laughs> the number one uh, character on there. He's always apologising for uh, you know match fixing and you know, with his teammates' misses and drug scandals. And I actually got to sit to experience. All of the, the fun stuff of being a sportsman without all of the hard work and the dedication <laughs> and blood, sweat and tears. But probably, as you can imagine, um, you know, the uh, acting and the television world isn't uh, for the faint-hearted either. It's been, uh, uh, you know, a, a long time, uh, a lot of sure. work. But, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the journey that I've taken. And, Casper, like, you're, you're a strong Queenslander, mate, an unbelievable fast bowler. What about arts for you? Were you... Any jazz hands in in your off seasons or not? <laughs> There's plenty of theatre in um, in the dressing rooms that we we spend time, and I can tell you that. Um, yeah. I, look, and I'm maybe my my kids are actually um, oh, a bit sick of me bringing this up, but I actually won the Year Eight Art Prize at Brisbane there we State go. High School <laughs> yep. when I was 13 years old. But um, that being my only <laughs> academic award. <laughs> Um, I, I keep reminding them every time that, you know, they, they try and spruik themselves and, and how well they go to school. I just keep bringing them back down to earth. Mate, I love it. Mate, we used to – I went to a school called St Mary's Christian Brothers College. It was a big sports school. Um, I sort of realised uh, – see, you've achieved a lot academically as well, Casper. But back then I wasn't, wasn't much of a – at the books. And, yeah, I remember uh, – I remember once the um, the army came to um, to school to talk about you know degrees you could get yep. in the army, um, and we were, everyone was asking questions. And you know, I used to have what you call bludge subjects, right? The art mm-hmm. and speech and drama they were the bludge subjects. So pretty much, I made a career out of going the bludge subject. But uh, <laughs> I remember the army guy said, "Oh yeah, and there's also a de- a degree 
that you can do in arts. And I put my hand up. I said, tell me more about this um, arts degree. And, and it's the army um, guys, Sarah Gregory guys said, well, I'm not, I'm not art. I'm not talking about like drawing and painting. I'm talking about like arts. And everyone just laughed and went, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that was a bit of a, an awakening when I realised I thought yeah. maybe I might have an in into the army and then I was straight out again. Not <laughs> that much. But at that sort of point, did you realise you, you had a, a sort of panache for, for humour, mate, and comedy? Yeah, one day um, a school teacher said to me, um, Jason, you're a great thespian. And I said, what's that, sir? He says, I love look it too. up, you're a great yeah. thespian. And I was like, it sounded like lesbian. Yeah. And I just thought it was insulted. And, um, and I went home that night and um, looked up the old-fashioned dictionaries that we had. Yep. And sure enough, it said actor. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, I did. I went on – I first did a – first – play we did, as I said, I did these subjects for a bloke subject, but I went on stage in this musical and the first line I said, the audience cracked up laughing and I, I was devastated. I thought, what have I done? I said the <laughs> second line and I cracked up laughing again. I came off stage for a bit and someone came up to me, they're like, Ganny, Ganny, they love you. I said, what are you talking about? They're laughing at me. I said, yeah, that's a good thing. And so that's kind of when I started to think maybe I had a natural flair for it. Yeah, if, if you're a bit sort of, so, uh, yeah, a little bit worried about people laughing when you're comedians, it could be some issues. But, but, but Casper, I'm really sort of interested to talk about, and I'll talk about your career, career in a minute because your, your numbers are ridiculous, mate. You're, you're, a, you're a stayer, you're, you're a legend, not only Queensland but Australian cricket, I believe, and an old teammate of mine. But did you ever have a plan B? Um, no, not when you're living your dream. Yeah. Um, because you just um, straight into it. Like I was 17. I was at actual at, at school when I was picked to play for Queensland the first yep. year. So all of a sudden I'm in a cricket dressing room with Alan Border and Ian Healy, yes. um, Carl Rackman, Craig McDermott, like all these guys that you know, I just looked up to so much as you know, a year or two earlier I might have even had a poster on my wall about them. But then all of a sudden I'm, in, <laughs> I'm catching the, the bus, the 169 bus down two zones, 40 cents, with my career gear down to the Gabba and training, you know, with these guys and playing. So it was a, it's kind of really unconventional, um, certainly my the way my pathway through there. And, yeah, sure, at the time I think I was, you know, I thought I wanted to be an architect, but it didn't happen. Um, and then I just got picked played quick career for Queensland and then just got better. I went to the academy and the next thing I went overseas and I did all sorts of things and thought we'll catch up with the, um, yeah, plan B down the track when we need to. <laughs> yeah, um, right, yeah. I, I guess really. But that and that's maybe why when I finished playing cricket, I actually did, I went and studied. And um, and as you mentioned at the start, actually I did a, an MBA, Master of Business, um, not because I'm smart at all. Um, that's why I'm a fast bowler. That's why I did that. Uh, but what I, the reason why I actually decided to actually go and do something like this, it was going to be hard. It was no difficult. And I knew at the time that no Australian cricket had actually done it. So Yes, there you go. Yeah, in essence, the, the reason why, and it's quite funny when we're sitting down and you've got all these, you know, obviously academic blokes and people and generally they're all engineers doing an MBA, um, <laughs> trying to uh, get more skill around business. But then they were going around the table going, okay, so give us the reason why you, you're, you're doing the MBA and everyone's going these great righteous reasons about, oh, I'm going to be better, I'm going to improve myself and my knowledge and all that. Came around to me and, um, yeah, I said, I'm re here to be rebranded. 
I love it, that's mate. The supply, that's the only reason why I was doing the NBA, for rebranding purposes. <laughs> because every single time, and still these days, you get asked the question, Casper, you know, are you coaching or commentating? And that's generally that's the true, pathway yeah. that everyone sees for um, sports people and certainly cricketers that, you know, you, when you finish playing cricket, you just go into coaching or commentating, don't you? That's what you do. Well, so so, my, so Casper, you know, my, my beautiful brother, Brett, he's, he was a, a teammate of yours and um, – and God bless him. You know, Brett, Brett's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I remember we were doing a business deal and I said to Brett, we need to sign a, a sort of agreement beforehand to not, like for non-disclosure. Brett said, just send me through the um, the DNA. And I said, it's an NDA, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> DNA, I love it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but Jason, I want to ask you, mate, because I know you studied as well, but but you sort of first came on the scene in Australia through Tropfest with Wilfred. And which, mate, I must admit, mate, that that's one of the funniest series I've I've ever watched. I'm a big fan, mate. So I'm I'm glad glad to chat to you. But I want to ask you, like, growing up, Wilfred, did you have a uh, an imaginary dog as a kid, or where, where, where'd that idea come from? Imaginary friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I the, look. The idea came from um, I was. Sleeping on my, my best mate's uh, sofa down in uh, Melbourne. We were, yep. we were doing a bit of work there. That's Adam, the creator of the show with me. And he came home from a date and uh, with this girl, we do a powderfinger gig, and uh, he got all the way into her bedroom. And then there was she had this pet dog that was sitting on a sofa in her bedroom, and he that's like totally uh, wow. blocked it. Yeah, that scene that's in the short film yeah. in, the, in the pilot episode happened, and uh, and I and I just started uh, putting a voice in this. Going offering him a bong, and we just went. Look, this is this is our Tropfest movie. We wrote it down that night, that weekend we shot it. In February, it was in Tropfest. It went to Sundance, went to festivals around the world, and it was just one of those things that just resonated with people. You know, dog owners, but also that stoner um, community. <laughs> so yeah, with, with all the success we had, we you know, it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how you know. What Cass was saying about rebranding, you know, like um, the brand of Wilfred just sort of grew into this thing where we did an Australian series, two seasons in Australia. I took the format over to um, to America, thinking that I might be lucky enough to be a staff writer on this project. And when they saw it, they said, "You got to be in this thing," you know. And I'm yeah. like, "Oh, right, okay." And Elijah was soon on board, and he said he'd do it only if I was in it. And you know, before long, you know, Robin Williams soon reached out to me and was wow. a fan of the show, and so he was a guest in the show. And we did four seasons, and then you know, and now you mentioned the cannabis, so I did. I jump straight into it with rebranding. You know, I took I took the Wilfred Brand character, I got the rights to my own character, and using it into the. Um, legal medicinal and recreational cannabis industries in America. Uh, one of the best no, one of the best comments I heard from, I read on social media was someone wrote um, best use of a dead brand ever. And I thought that was just the best backhanded comment. They're so I've ever positive had. on social media, yeah. They're so positive, aren't they? <laughs> but, you know, it's just it, you know that oh, that made me proud though, because it was, yeah. that's exactly what it was, you know, and it's like and you know, it's just it's always a matter of how far can I take this thing? You know, like it's just ridiculous how <laughs> when I was audition when I was I was actually helping Elijah Wood audition. He was he actually auditioned. He's in the last three, 
and they were doing their screen test. And there was all these network execs in this room and, and I said to them, I was going to read off these three actors and I said, I'll, I'll get in the dog suit for them, you know, to give them that full look of experience. <laughs> and as I was getting dressed, knowing where I came from, as I was getting dressed in the, in the, in the, in the toilets, put the drawer on the nose, I just thought, this is a bad joke gone too far. I mean, what is going on here? <laughs> so uh, here I am 20 odd years later with a bad joke gone way too far. Hey, how did go? So, so Adam Azmuzwar and um, and Tony Rogers, who you, you did the original one with Australia, and as you said, in, when I went to America, you the only one chosen. Was that a bit like the Beatles breaking up? How, how, how was that? Well, it wasn't so much chosen. It was you know we had all gone our our separate ways, and and you know the. I mean, look, I was in a hotel room. I didn't want to do Wilfred again. I'd done a spin-off of The Wedge character, Mark, where I did Mark Loves Sharon and Network 10. It was a yeah. lot of fun. I was dressed in nice clothes, driving Ferraris, surrounded by hot women, or I'd be in this dog suit, you know, and, it was, and I'd said I wasn't going to do it again. <laughs> or both. Ever. And then my American manager said to me, um, he called me up one day and he said, look, I know you don't want to play Wilfred again. I said, I'm not getting in that effing dog suit again. He said, hear me out. He said, I think this could be your Mork and Mindy. He said, just like right. Robin Williams or the Alien, even if the show's not a hit, everyone's going to remember the dog and you'll be able to walk into any room in Hollywood. I said, well, Mork and Mindy was my favourite show as a kid. So if you, if you, I can't argue with that. If you sell it, I'll do it. He sold it. And then, mate, when Robin Williams came on the show, would you believe it was his first television acting job since Mork and Mindy? Oh, wow. On my show. Jesus Christ, that, that's a big, and, and God, God rest your soul, mate. Well, hold it there. We're just going to take a quick break. In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. Hey, Casper, hey, I want to ask because I'm quite fascinated. You, you boys are both from Queensland, both from very different backgrounds. What, what I'm seeing now, there's quite a lot of entrepreneurs coming out of Queensland um, and, and, and more people live in the country outside of Brisbane than the city itself. It, what, why do you think people are being so successful coming out of the state that you guys are from? Oh, it's a pretty big state for <laughs> yeah. a start. Um, yeah. And maybe I think the whole part about the regional part of Australia, it actually – People, yeah, you become more resilient. You've got to be um, when yep. you're living out and in the bush and all those areas. And that's one of the things we've found with Crete when you're getting out in all these regions. It's always fantastic. The people, um, hospitality is awesome. But I reckon 75, at least 75%, I played for, quick, quicker for Queensland. I played for about 19 seasons. Was. Yeah, massive. 
It was long. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of cricket. Anyway, the, but the, at least 75% of every team were from the bush. And, yeah, that was the that was the best part about it was that you sort of you realise why and all these guys that you played against us, mate, you know um, yeah. what when. Queensland was about. But, you, but I, I love your stats, Casper. You, you took 944 first-class wickets, 113 test wickets. You bowled 48,552 balls in first-class cricket. Like, how's your body, mate? Ne- never mind the amount of balls you bowled in the nets too. That was the other side of it because right, um, yeah. no one was recording them back then, and I reckon that was the whole thing. But we – yeah, um, my, my body's actually pretty good. I reckon my Eastern European background <laughs> and genes <laughs> maybe were the result of sort of the fact I'm getting around and not in a Zimmer frame these days. Now, I was going to ask you, Casper, um, I mentioned your brother Simon before, but uh, he, he played rugby, for, um, professional rugby, You've got a son now that's showing a lot of promise. Yeah, Ed Kasparovich made yes. the Queensland under 15 Boom. Reds team, yeah, this year. He um he's he's 15, he's 16 in January, but he's now six foot five. So he's officially Jesus. the tallest person in the household. Okay. Um he also, I'll tell you what else he did, he actually just made the Queensland under 15 schoolboys team wow. um, as a fast bowler. Comes in bowls fast, loves, and you'd like this, Fug. He loves to test out halfway down. I like that. See if there's a bit of bounce in the track. Yeah, good boy. But um, yeah. So, I, so yeah. So it's actually really cool. He um, like with his sport, he's loving all that. There's a, a theme, obviously, you mentioned around rugby in the household. Uh, Simon, yep, he played for the Waratahs. He went over and played in, um, in Japan. I actually played Australian schoolboys rugby as well. Well, mate, Casper, I remember having a wrestle with you. We're on some tour. I can't remember where we were. You are the strongest motherfucker I've ever fucking wrestled with. Oh, mate, you've got Mongo strength. Jason, never wrestle this guy, mate. He's ridiculous. Me and Cam Smith. Yeah, great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, that was it. Maybe that was it. That was part of it. But, you know, it was funny, actually. I know in your last show, I was listening to it when you had Johnny Eels. Yeah, Eels on. Yes. Yep. Yes. So, um, one of the things I was listening intently uh, into his <laughs> your question about he, he loved cricket and then he decided to go to the rugby and yes. wine, all that sort of thing. Um, what he didn't actually reveal was that um, I I actually played Australian schoolboys rugby and I came back from that tour to play second grade uh, for the University of Queensland. Yes. And I'm actually opening the bowling with John Eels, right? Wow. So I think what he's actually trying to, you know, obviously just deflect all that, saying, oh, I was running this up. thing. Yeah. I've turned up on the scene and he thought, fuck, I'm no chance. <laughs> so that's why, that's why John Eels chose rugby instead. Now, he won't mind me saying that. No doubt. No knowing doubt. What yeah. yeah. So, but, no, but, um, but that was that was it. Um, and just really quickly, I know you mentioned Simon Kasparovich, um, yes. who does live in Sydney. I'm not sure if you caught up with him lately. I haven't seen but for a of while. Course, Okay, well, what you need to do is catch up with him pretty soon because um, Okanui board shorts is his business. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm sure that you either had a pair when you were younger, maybe. Yep, they don't fit me anymore, but oh, I'll get some with some new ones. Okanui.com. Um, go and have a look and everyone have <laughs> a look go. online. It's fantastic. There's not just the, uh, yeah, there's a, a whole lot of range of stuff there and he's got shops in Noosa, um, Burley, Byron, Manly, uh, and I think uh, Harbortown now as well. So he's, he's going okay. Well, hold it there. We're just going to take a quick break. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. 
In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. The new Elite Bet app has arrived. It's got all the betting features you expect and new ones you're going to love. Elite Bet is your one-stop shop on race day with Hot Bet, where you can back the tips of proven winning punters. Build fast sports multis and play same game multis. The Elite Bet app is the smoothest betting experience around. Trusted for 10 years, Elite Bet is 100% Australian owned. The only betting app you need this summer is Elite Bet. Gamble responsibly. If you're enjoying this episode, maybe check out a previous one where I spoke to former Swans player Ty Connelly and Australian cricketer Simon Caddick. We spoke about all things AFL, cricket and life. Now, Jason, you're coming live tonight from Spain. Spain. How yeah, you up there? Yeah. Oh, talk, mate. Talk me through that. My, Queensland. Look, I've got a wife from Spain. Yep, okay, I live you. in Spain at the moment. Uh, I got two American kids. Yep. Now, uh, when Wilfred had been uh, maybe season one, um, I, I I had to get out of the party scene, right? So I was living okay. at home. I I spent a bit of time. You know, I had a bit of a, a spell in in a rehab facility, actually, okay. because a lot of the way my um, my behaviour was sort of getting sort of crazy and out of, out of control during those kind of television days in Melbourne. I was going out sort of at Mark Wary, wherever I'd go, someone wanted to give me a free shot or, or ask me into the, you know, into the cubicles for a, uh, a quick chat. And I was getting out, things were getting out of control, so I spent a bit of time in, re- in rehab. When I came out, I decided I had to get away from the nightclubs and so I got myself a couple of cats, and I uh, and I stayed home. But you know, I <laughs> sometimes I, I met I met I, you know I, I met a couple of fans of mine through social media, and 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 this and my my now wife made the ill-fated decision to press uh, like on my fan page, and that was all it took. Oh, and you know, I was wow. chatting with her, and and then um, it was season two, the the premiere of season two, and I just you know I thought yeah she's she was beautiful and. Um, I just thought, oh, this is never going to lead anywhere. We'd done a couple of Skypes and then, yeah. um, and then I just thought I'm going to fly her over for a, for a date, you know, so I flew her over for the premiere and so we had a date and soon we, uh, you know, before she knew it, you know, we, she, she got pregnant and, um, and then we Big were, uh, we got married in Vegas and, um, then we, <laughs> then we had a second one and, um, and now we're living in Spain. So we're kind of a real international family. I love Sometimes it. these things just happen, mate. Mate, can I ask a question? Did the dog ever go to rehab? <laughs> No, no, I, yeah, I don't know. No, I think yeah, there's a scene where Ryan went to therapy, and you know, Wolfie was. In- well, if, he, if he's pissing on the fucking everywhere, and like he's got to sort himself out, you know, you know. Yeah, well, mate, they, they say life imitates art. Well, that was certainly the case. I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, which 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 fed the other, but uh, you know, there's always. I, I, I'm, you know, obviously one of the show creators and writers, and with that and Mark Love Sharon, you know, a lot of my life experiences, good and bad. Would um, would come into the material big time, and so yep. it's it's a it's a pretty you know pretty exciting experience when you when you just you know you find you you cruising that fine line between 
life and, and art. I, I, I was just going to say, because um, I'm really interested in that because you, you've turned this acting opportunity into now, you've got your own company, as you said, um, yeah, Wilfred um, Cannabis uh, Pre-Rolls, right, which is fantastic, right? So you, you've made an opportunity from what you're doing initially. You've done the same thing, Casper. You, you've taken a, a very successful career. career. You're, you're a, you've been a, are you still a director of Create Australia? No, okay, yeah, but but you but you were a director, but but you've done a lot of stuff in India as well. So, are you still doing stuff over there? No, I haven't actually. For a few years, I haven't. I think I was yep. on the Australia India Council. It was a Department yep. of Foreign Affairs board and all those things. And um, look, even Jason, just thinking about when you were sort of saying about living life and then imitating you know, art, all that sort of stuff, it hit me straight away. I just thought, you know what, we. In many ways, with cricket and that career that you talk about, you know, I had a successful career and all that sort of stuff. Um, with cricket, but then everything else outside, I reckon oh, I'm going to have a bit of a vulnerable moment, I suppose, here. But Come on, it's it. almost like you're feeling. It's you a safe up, place. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm glad you say that. Um, yeah. We can just share it with you guys. Um, <laughs> then I think that yeah, you end up. Oh, was it? You end up. I found I've lived most of my life. Um, maybe, maybe I live my life through someone else's uh, definition of me. Okay, explain it's that. Quite, it's kind of deep. I realise that. Well, I think well, I, I only because when you, you know, I was oh, nine years old. Oh, nine years old. Yeah, my father left us. So I leave left three young kids. So all yep. of a sudden, you had to be like the father figure. You had to be yep. that, right? Then I'm at high school. I'm in year eight. Um, I get picked in the first. 11 cricket um, in school, and then you sort of had to be that. Yeah. You know? And then 17 at high school, then you get picked for Queensland, and all of a sudden you got to be that, you got to be that sort of person. And and maybe, I don't know, it's getting a bit deep, I realise, but sort of all the whole way through, and then you're playing for Cricket Australia, and then you're playing for Australia, you've got to be sort of that. Yeah, it's true, mate. Then, then even being on the board of Cricket Australia and the really, really um, – obscure way and non-traditional pathway that happened, having been the president of the Players Association and then yep. being asked to go on the board of Cricket Australia, which we all know was a different pathway back when we played. Um, yeah, you sort of all had, you had to be that. And, yeah, it's kind of interesting. So I'm 50 so, years old now. Um, so, so, just, so just on that, Casper, as you said, like, oh, I'm turning 50 next year as well. You've just turned 50, right? But um, so just on that, so oh, I know Michael Kaspowitz as a, a former teammate, a real competitor, a, a great team man, a funny guy, thoughtful, considerate um, and, and smart. Um, is that how you see yourself or is that – what you perceived. That's a really interesting part, I reckon, when yeah. you, you learn that from a sport, certainly, <clears throat> is that um, oh, the world of perception. Yep. And I'm saying that as that's one of the great lessons you learn when you play sport because based on which team you play for, people will love you or hate you. Yeah. And they'll have a real opinion about you before they met you or, yeah, and, and, not, and when I say you understand, you understand you can't actually go in there and necessarily change it. You can influence it. Um, and that's coming back to that MBA bit. Yeah. You know, going, well, look, I just go and study that, not so much to become, you know, the smartest person, you know, more for myself. I just need to rebrand it and change a sort of opinion or perception to give myself, myself a chance in a different area. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a little bit different. I didn't want to necessarily take it down this track, but I just thought 
it's kind of interesting when Jason, you were talking about, um, yeah, like your yeah, as a as an artist and what you do, but then you know how that correlates in life. Yeah, it's got to be tougher um, being in a in your position in some ways because you know um, you. I mean, I know um, you know recently with. Um, Paul Green, you know, um, yes, what happened sad. with yep. Paul Green? No, no one, you know, has seen that coming, you know, because he was being that and he was being that and that, just as you described. And so, within those structures of those sporting um, cultures, mm-hmm. uh, as well as our own culture, um, we're expected to be this certain thing. So, yep. you know, anything outside of that is normally kept in a box. For me, I mean, people people aren't going to be that surprised if they find out I've been in rehab or something like that because, you know, I've lived a kind of chaotic, um, yeah. you know, a, a lifestyle which is kind of reflective of the kind of you know, choices I've made in careers and stuff. But, yeah, it's definitely um, interesting to talk about um, and, and explore um, probably – you know, uh, I, I tried actually digging into it a little bit with my Mark Love Sharon um, series that, you know, had only one season, unfortunately, on Network 10. But, you know, we really did – I really wanted to get into that side of, you know, how, you know, when you're in that high position profile, you actually are, are kind of like in a, a gilded cage. Um, you're in this sort of Big fish time. tank. And it's and, and it's actually can be kind of a, a, probably a lonely, um, frightening place to be. Personally, I mean, I, I chose to be uh, an actor – because I'm what what I would I now know to be a um, an extroverted introvert, yep. and so I was naturally very shy as a kid. I overcompensated by being the funny guy at school. Yep. Dad was in the army. We also travelled a lot, so I was always starting a new school. So I learned to be funny. But so years later, you know, I discovered that I have a lot of anxiety, and so you know, I I, I, I hate crowds, and and I realised why did I choose this career where, where you know if I if I was in the newspaper I'd be in Melbourne if I was my photos in the newspaper I'd be laying low for the whole day I just felt like everyone was like looking into my into yeah. these photos into my life into my soul I just felt totally uh, vulnerable and, and and it felt pretty um uh, pretty pretty scary so to add that to the you know these feelings you know I, I don't even you know know what. Paul Green was going through, but it seems to me that it this really blindsided a lot of people. Well, it, um, it, it definitely did, mate, because and, and this is one of the things like Lunch with Lee where we try and the underlying theme we try and talk about is, is men's health and it comes up in some shows and some shows it doesn't, but I think just as men, particularly our age, we, we self-diagnose, you know, she'll be right. We're, we're from a – we're brought up to, you know, you know, don't show your emotions, don't don't talk about your weaknesses, don't show your weaknesses. And it's really nice to hear Caspar, knowing him as, as a teammate and a, a competitor for many years, to talk openly like he is today. I think it's really good. And I think that's – I know I've experienced that. I, my, my kids, I've always said – I've said in the show a number of times, three rules for my kids, education, non-negotiable. I want them to play a team sport because I want them to be – responsible to their teammates and their friends and to show up on time and do the right thing. And I want to do an art. So I don't want just to be a jock. I want to like to like to understand different people. And because I think to be really good at sport, you have to be unemotional. But to be really good at art, you have to be totally emotional, put your heart on the line. And that's why I think sometimes art, art, artistic people go, I want to be a sportsman and vice versa. And, um, and I think it's really, really good to share those experiences. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Mm. I think too. That's the other thing, Shane. Is that yeah, for us and for blokes, is that generally if you're showing any pain or something hurts a bit, you just you know you're told to give it a rub. 
Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> it's just bullshit. give it a rough. And I think, and even 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 <laughs> men's health, um, you know, men's or you know, mental health and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm actually in a I call it a crusade as such. But the the point about that the term is that when you talk about health or you know, you're talking about you're either well or you're sick. Yeah, it's like none or guts full and. The one for me, and I'm actually taking about, there's 100-odd guys. We're going second year to the Gabba for the um, South Africa Test Day 2, uh, which is the Sunday. Yep. We sit in the um, in the cheap seats, but we're out in the crowd um, with these guys. But based around a, a it's called the IF Project, and one of the a guy I've got to know really well, a program he's to sort of developed to sort of help blokes out and changing it, like I said, not from men's health, let's call it men's well-being. Yeah, because you know, like just some tools and resources there. So you're never going to be. It's not about being, you know, really well, like great or, or shit. It's actually the tools to be, you know, just pick you up when you're down. And I agree, mate. Along totally the way, and so yeah, that's what I'm excited about with the cricket coming up. But I, I tell you what, just without maybe changing a little bit. Yeah. Um, this is the, I'll just point out this. I reckon it's the first Zoom call I've been on for about 12 months. And when you originally asked me, do you want to be on a, you know, I know. a podcast lunch league? I'm thinking, I know there's no such thing as a, you know, free lunch, but I thought that sounds bloody good. I'll enjoy that. And I reckon this conversation would be awesome with a couple of beers, glass of wine. Well, mate, you know what? It, it, normally, lunch with Lee is always done live over lunch, but unfortunately, the budget for our, our podcast doesn't afford us to go to Spain to hang out with Jason. But hey, Jason, we're working on it, mate. Yeah, mate. What's well, so that, Casper? You thought you, you agreed to do it on the condition you get a free lunch. I'll still buy you lunch, Casper. I'll still buy you lunch. Hey, listen, boys, last question each, um, and I'll ask you first, Jason. Uh, a young boy or girl wants to go into acting. What advice would you give them? Oh, mate, you've got to, you know, um, you've got to just write your My own dog life suit. story. <laughs> yeah, you write, well, write your own life story, you know what I mean? Like, my, okay. my, yeah, exactly, yeah. Just write your own life story. You just can't look. It's going to knock out ninety-eight percent of people who do it. I'm never going to tell someone don't do it. I remember an actor coming to school at our, our school that specialised in theatre. I went back to uh, in Wavell, and and his his first thing was don't do it. He said oh, really? you're like one percent chance. He yeah. said you're like one in a thousand chance. And I sat there thinking, I am that one, right? So yeah, I'm never right. going to tell people don't do it. But it is uh, it's it's hard and. Yeah. You know, diversify in your skill in your skill set because there's a lot of people from agents to you know, as, as you said, there's more in in in, in the pre-sport world than just commentary and coaching. You know, there's so many different things. Get to know all those different things that become part of um, show business because really acting is storytelling. Yeah, if, okay. you're not, if you're not a storyteller, then you probably have no business doing it. And and Casper, a young boy or girl wants to go into the world of sport. What advice? Have fun. Yeah. So my son, um, like in all these sports, he goes pretty good. And I've actually seen it where your parents coming up to him and they're actually saying to him at championships and saying, oh, it must be great, fantastic having your father as your, your personal coach. What's the best thing he's told you? And he looks at him and says, um, hi, Dad, just says, go and have fun. Yeah. And which kind of, they, they, they think there's a secret. Uh, they kind of look disappointed. <laughs> But at the end of the day, I think that is the absolute key is that that diffuses any pressure you got. Um, it's a, it's a game. Yep. It's a game. And just yep. go and if you keep having fun, because I think back to the matters we've, we've seen, um, like your point out there, Jason, that you know, the one in 
10,000, uh, one in one million people actually get through uh, and end up playing test cricket. And I think that's the key is that the kids that get picked and, you know, first all, you know, when they're 13, 14, 15, all those pathway things, the ones that actually make it in the end are the ones that didn't make those sites. And somehow mm-hmm. they had more fun along the way. They trained harder or it meant something or just life changes. And you give yourself the best chance anyway if you just get out there and have fun. Mate, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I want to thank you both for coming on Lunch with Lee. And um, I think it goes to show that you can grow up in the same place in Queensland. Um, you can follow your passion. You can end up uh, working in America and, and eventually living in Spain. Um, or you can be playing cricket and on a subcontinent and touring around the world and being on a board of Cricket Australia. It doesn't matter where you're from. Follow your passion. Um, I'm going to send you – O'Brien Beer is a big sponsor – and Casper, don't worry, I'll, I'll send you some beers. Jason, I'll send you some too after the show. I'll get you a dress. And, um, and once you get to Sydney, Casper, oh, it's lunch, lunch is on me, boys. Lovely. Thanks, thanks so much for coming on the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks Jason. Nice to meet you, that's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests. Thanks to our sponsors, Barclay Pierce Capital, Elite Bet and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're there and you're passionate, please leave a review. And come check us out on Instagram, I'm at Lunch With Lee. Our official Lunch With Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her on Instagram at Felicity Kelly Portraits. And once again, a big thanks to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back soon with some more legends to talk about sport, music and business on another episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then.